The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, Danny, it has finally happened. A trade that seemed inevitable since uh, the offseason. We've talked about it incessantly. We knew it was coming. Finally, the Pels have gotten out of the tax by moving Kyra Lewis. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to report a trade... And it is the afterthought part of a much more significant trade, though I love that you framed it that way, where Pascal Siakam leaves these Toronto Raptors and goes to the Indiana Pacers. I will start with the terms. Let's basically treat this as two separate trades. They are probably going to be folded together. I can get into why they probably shouldn't be, but they will be. Um, The Raptors receive Pascal Siakam, or sorry, trade Pascal Siakam in exchange for Bruce Brown, who has this year and then a team option for next, Jordan Nwora, and then three first round picks. We don't know anything about protections or anything like that, but I'm guessing that they're not going to be too protected. Indiana's 2024 first, the worst of four different teams in 24, but the most likely to matter are the Clippers and the Thunder, and then the Pacers own 26 first. So those are the uh, those are the resources that are going. And for those who are interested, Jordan Nwora, fully guaranteed for this year, free agent after this year. So let's begin with this, Danny. Pascal Siakam, his his saga in Toronto, a lot of it based around his redundancy with Scotty Barnes, a lot of it based uh, around some of the fit issues he has despite being a, a excellent scorer, passer, and solid defender at the power forward position, two-time All-NBA selection. Two years ago, he in theory could have signed a 30% of the cap max extension for three years that would have kicked in at the end of this one. Not sure whether he was offered that, not sure whether he would have taken it. I have a feeling he probably wouldn't have taken it. Then he was not eligible for the designated player veteran extension this offseason. He didn't make All-NBA last year. And of course, the only place he would have been eligible for that was in Toronto. Toronto has Scotty Barnes at that position. Where they are as a franchise, it didn't make sense to pay what we believe Pascal Siakam's next contract will be. So you had this very weird dance of Pascal Siakam like, all right, maybe he wants to stay in Toronto because what if he makes All-NBA? Then you'd be super max eligible. But man, does Toronto really want to pay him that? Probably not. He's not a very good fit with Scotty Barnes. Both those guys are fours. And neither of them are like plus shooters. Siakam's been shooting well lately. Well, and then but add the- in add in the complication for the Raptors that Siakam is not so great where signing him to that contract, oh yeah, you can definitely trade him for positive value six months from then. Like that, Absolutely. you know, the consider the consideration that you you run into that. I mean, it, it is a very real concern for Masai Ujiri. And you know where they showed that real concern? In the Fred Van Vliet negotiations, it appears, which is funny because that was you know, the contract he signed with the Rockets seems eminently reasonable, but Siakam had those expectations. And so whether or not those become reality, we'll still find out, though it seems more likely that it'll get resolved. And so, yeah, it was a really awkward dance, especially with the incongruity between Siakam and Barnes. And you could add in Yaka Pertle because then you you can't even really do thing where you play like you play somebody who's like a four spacer at the five or you kind of resolve some of the other issues with spacing because you have this other guy as well. And so it seemed like an untenable situation. It seemed like Barnes was higher in the pecking order, lower on the totem pole, whichever way you want to, whichever analogy you want to use. And so it looked like a separation was going to happen. What struck me about this is not even that the separation happened, that he's going somewhere else, or that he's going to the Pacers. They seemed like a logical target the whole time. It's what the Pacers gave up for getting Siakam now 
and for theoretically, theoretically simplifying certain future negotiations if they want to. Yeah, so that that's the point I wanted to finish up on before we talk about his fit in Indiana is that he was attempting to control the process by saying he wouldn't resign like Robert Sacramento. They're supposedly close to a deal there. And he said, I was not interested in resigning Sacramento. Now he's reached the point at which after having been traded, he would not have been eligible to sign an extension before the offseason began. You, you need six months after that to be able to sign your full extension. He's limited to uh, a two-year extension for the first six months after the trade and 105% raises, and that's not something that he would have been interested in doing. So he certainly will get to free agency. There was some reporting like, well, he's not going to agree on what the contract is beforehand. Now the reporting has been from Mark Spears that he is expected to re-sign in Indiana. And like with OG Ananobi, another guy in the last year of his contract that was traded from Toronto to New York, you kind of wonder what that Siakam contract is going to look like. So I certainly have qualms about this from the Pacers perspective of what they're going to have to pay him in his next deal as he's about to turn 30 in the coming weeks here, but also about how much uh, they gave up. So before we can answer either of those questions, though, I think we need to just talk about what this Pacers team is going to be both this year and then what they might be able to do this offseason to kind of put this group together around a 30-year-old Pascal Siakam and a 24-year-old Tyrese Halbert. We can pencil those players in even though, of course, Siakam will be an unrestricted free agent, could choose to leave, and boy, would that be embarrassing for the Pacers. Hal Burton under contract for five years after this one on the extension that he already signed, and that will probably go up in value, by the way, because I think he's going to make an All-NBA team. Now, I guess it's yeah, possible— he, he, he might not play 65 games. Games but, yeah. That would be the potential challenge there. So it's 35.5 as kind of a placeholder. It could go up, and we don't know what the exact negotiations—I haven't seen it yet with the Pacers and Hal Burton are because it doesn't automatically go up go up the full value you can you can figure that out so him siakam and then miles turner is under contract for 24 25 at about 20 million and then he is unrestricted in 25 as of now could sign an extension do whatever so you have those three players kind of locked in and then you have other players who will likely be in the rotation who will be in contention for starting spots like Aaron Neesmith and Andrew Nemhard. And if they want to re-sign him, Buddy Heald, Jairus Walker may figure in here at some point as well. So really what they've done is they've solidified three spots, two of which they already had. And then the one of those could be Matherin, Benedict Matherin or Buddy Heald. And then the other one, either they sign somebody new with that or they use somebody that they already have like Neesmith, or I guess they could trade for somebody in a in a subsequent transaction so does that sound like a good description of where they are it does and i think siakam we've been talking about him since the summer as making a ton of sense with indiana and that's before indiana looked as good as they have this season because they have miles turner to space the floor one of the downsides of siakam is that he's not a great floor spacer he'll kind of wax and when he was awful at the start of the year now he's making his shots the last 10 games or so last month or so you know i think you view him as like slightly below average as a shooter at the four and he's someone who kind of needs the ball he needs space to work with and the Pacers didn't really have anyone else on this team that they trusted to initiate offense now they have such a player Siakam hasn't really played with a floor spacing five since going back to even like Mark Gasol and that was uh, Mark was not the floor spacer that Turner is uh, I would say at least in terms of the volume and then they also had a big hole like Pacers power forward they just had cycled through a bunch of guys Aaron Neesmith was trying to play up Obi Toppin just wasn't good enough defensively you know, Siakam is a pretty good transition transition player as well to play with Halbert and he can run pick and roll with Halbert and maybe get some switches attack that way uh and he's a solid defender at the four position he's not but he won't be overstressed now there either and I also like that I think part of the reason why the Pacers felt comfortable with this trade you know Bruce Brown I think they felt like he hadn't necessarily worked out but Aaron Neesmith certainly has and Neesmith was pressed into service as an undersized four now I presume he will be the starting three and so you and Neesmith is impressed defensively so you go from one of the worst defenses in the league all of a sudden now to Neesmith as you're starting through, which they started to experiment with anyway. Siakam at the four, Turner at the five. That's a 
actually should be a solid defensive front court. And then you've got Hal Burton and either Matherin or Heald who you're going to start. So this is this is like if you had to pick a destination for Siakam, right? Like it didn't make sense to me for him to go to Sacramento because his fit with Sabonis was not a particularly good one. We've talked about Miles Turner and Brooke Lopez and like these Kristaps Porzingis, like how valuable these shooting centers can be because they let you get away with playing a guy at another position who might be a tougher fit. So it all really made sense for Siakam to be in Indiana. He fits in perfectly with what they needed. And he's still a, a very good player. You know, I would I would have him around, you know, maybe the 40th best player in basketball or so this year, 30th to 40th. So this team's good. Like they got they got better. Hopefully Halburn comes back from this hamstring soon. And, you know, I don't think that they're necessarily a threat to the top three in the East yet, but they can continue to build a, a, around this group to some degree. And then the other nice thing for Indiana is they're able to extinguish most of this obligation in terms of first round picks this offseason. So uh yeah I, I mean how good do you think this Pacers team is now and you know in the future let's say they re-sign healed this offseason you know they've still got Matherin and Walker as guys they can develop so maybe those first rounders don't hurt as much to not have those and you know you can still probably they may not have room to use the mid-level if they re-sign uh healed this offseason but they should have a pretty decently deep team going forward they feel like a solid second tier team if we're putting the Bucks, the Celtics and the Sixers together in one like I and the Sixers. It's it's hard because their team is very malleable. I want to talk about their perspective on this trade a little bit um, way, way later. But to me, the Pacers, they, they have an offensive identity and Siakam. He's not the four spacer in transition that has worked well with Hal Burton, but he runs the four hard. He should be able to work well in that capacity. They also should raise their floor in the non-Halliburton minutes, especially when Halliburton is healthy, you know, that they can use Siakam there if they want to as a primary or secondary creator. I think that a, there could be develop a good chemistry between just like running the playmaking through Nemhard and Siakam, some combo of those two when Halliburton's off the floor and neither one yeah. being and overly they still, have, they still have TJ McConnell as well, though. Yeah, if they, want, if they want to. A great fit with uh, with what Siakam wants to do, but. Agreed. And so, so for me, if you're, you're looking at this team right now, I would say they're, they project to be the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference when they're healthy. They still have some of the ensemble problems where they need their best players to be available, but they are deeper than the average group. And and that might be underselling teams like the Knicks that are firmly within that mix. But I think they're in the group with teams like that. And, and considering how potent their offense is, if their defense can get to passable, then they're really dangerous. Yeah, I think that's the two biggest variables. I guess there's three big variables going forward. One is how much better can Halliburton get? It seems like it would be tough for him to get better. And we also just don't know how good a playoff player he's going to be. But yeah, he's just about to turn 24. Like he's got some more upside to explore, certainly at the point guard position where your brain just gets you better and better as you get into your late 20s. And his shooting and skill level should continue to improve as well. And, and he could get better defensively too, just based on getting sure. a little bit stronger, getting a little bit smarter. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me for age 27 Halliburton to be a better defender than he is now. Probably still bad but better yeah and then how long can Siakam hold on as a high level player Siakam is when he's been in the playoffs he hasn't really been that great I think there you can kind of guard him with the center I think we'll see some teams try that at least in the playoffs of guarding Siakam with their center and guard Turner with a wing although that could be interesting because now you can run pick and roll against the other team's center with Halliburton and Siakam so that might actually be just playing into the Pacers hands Uh, I think like Halliburton to me can really help unlock some of the better parts uh, of Siakam's game and and just give their offense a more variety but the biggest variable to me so and then you know how quickly does Halliburton decline or or ascend versus how quickly does Siakam decline and because he's still you know a pretty he's skilled but I wouldn't consider him like a crazy high skill player just because he's not a great shooter and you also might say hey this Pacers offense is like unbelievable do you really want to add that many of like Siakam's kind of 45 percent floaters in the lane you know is that kind of like yeah it's another creator but it's also like pretty high usage and like dragging it down but maybe Siakam will just play a smaller role one other point on that it also puts more pressure on having four spacing at the three which is something that you know because because if you you don't need as much defense there now but you need somebody who can shoot credibly because if it's if it's somebody you know and that that's a variable for Neesmith and some of these other spots and there are guys who can do that but most of the players who can fill that description can be flawed in other ways that could be problems for the Pacers so the biggest thing though is just like how good is their defense going to get right I mean these, these guys are one of the best offenses in basketball 
basketball. I hope that Siakam won't disrupt that too much and that maybe he can even make them better when Halliburton is off the floor, like raise their floor, as you noted. But then, yeah, where is their defense? Can their defense get into the top half of the league now with that front court that I talked about? You know, I think Miles Turner hasn't been as good this year, although I think maybe he's been kind of beaten down a little bit by all the fires that he's had to put out. So just having a three, four, five, all of whom can like guard their position reasonably well, like their backcourt probably going to be pretty bad defensively but i think that was uh, ultimately unavoidable uh so you know this team this is kind of a pacersy move in the sense that it's not like the highest upside but even tyrese halbert you know is he the best player on a championship team like i'm i'm not sure about that uh he may get there he's always defied my expectations but we just we haven't seen in the playoffs he's just a a poor defending guard so those having that guy as your best player on on a championship team is a historical rarity but you know he is that level of player like steve nash level of player maybe close like steph curry level of player at his best so maybe it can happen man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches everybody sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that hundred night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas i'm going to be freezing but the american giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us 
And I guess the next thing we just have to talk about, because, you know, I imagine Siakam, okay, maybe he doesn't get the full max for five years or something like that. But, you know, it's going to be $40 million a year for at least three years, you would think, if not more, more years or more dollars. Like his max to start next year projects at uh, a little under 43, could go higher if the cap goes up. So... Yeah, I mean, can this team be a championship contender in this window in the next, like, maybe three years before Siakam? It's a, probably a realistic window for Siakam before he's, you know, not really a, a super high-level player. I'm open to being surprised, but I wouldn't expect it because you think about like the, the threshold is like you have to have an, you have to be elite on one end and very good on the other. And we don't know if the Pacers are an elite playoff offense. We, we know that they're an elite regular season one. And we know that that's the end where they'll be better. So you need to be really good on that. And then you need to be, I would say, very good is kind of the standard threshold. If not, I mean, some years you have to be greater elite on the other end, too. And, you know, it's so like you could think about what Denver, like the improvement that Denver did last year. I wouldn't expect it. And we also already know that there are some talented teams in the league that will still be good during that window. Like presumably Denver will be, presumably Boston will be. And this Pacers team has different strengths and weaknesses. We did see the Pacers win in a big game against the Celtics, but seven-game series is an entirely different beast. They do have a very good coach. So what I would say is they're 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 good and in, in being better than I expect could get them into the mix even if it's not what I would say is the most likely outcome. I mean, they've, I think you'd have to say they're the fourth most talented team in the East right now. Is that sure. realistic? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, I, yeah. and, and it's, I don't want to discount things like, I mean, the Knicks with, with OG and stuff like there, there are some interesting teams out there, but knowing what we know right now, fourth, sure. Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, Cleveland and New York might have something to say about that Absolutely. as well. And I think for this season, getting Siakam now while Halliburton still out can help solidify the Pacers uh, as a top six team in the East. And we'll see how Siakam plays, too. Uh, now, paradoxically, if he plays worse, uh, th- they might be happier with the contract uh, that they give him. But I'm sure they would love for him to play great and pay him. And, and there isn't that much opportunity cost in terms of paying Siakam, you know, these first couple of years, really, because Halliburton's locked in on his contract. Like, Miles Turner, I don't think he's going to get, like, that much more if they need to re-sign But him it is super important that they re-sign him with Siakam because they need sure. somebody at the five who is, A, a credible defender and B can space the floor. Yeah, and they'll have room to either bring back Buddy Heald next uh, offseason if they need to. Like, even if Siakam gets the full max bring back everybody except for Obi Toppin I've got them at only seven million dollars over the cap so there's plenty of room they would have and eh, maybe it's not perfect they would have 15 million below the tax uh and, and this but, team uh, but there are ways they could shed the some salary yeah there are no I, I mean they if they're happy with Nemhart, they could move on from McConnell they can maybe even get something from McConnell. McConnell's actually less important for them now that they have Siakam too uh so and then this is also in some ways a bet on Benedict Matherin and Jarris Walker. Jarris Walker, interestingly, you know, for a guy that they just drafted, essentially number seven, they moved down to eight, but they had the seven pick. They chose him when they had the seven pick, essentially, that he now is pretty redundant with Siakam, but he hasn't proven anything yet. I mean, they've desperately needed his ostensible skill set, and he's like barely, barely been in the rotation. And But they did hold on to him. He's a guy who has some upside and maybe Siakam if needed could be retraded later if Jairus Walker like really really emerges you could also maybe even have the ability to play those guys together in like a small ball switching group uh, although that didn't work great with Siakam in Toronto and so uh, like their finances are not like that impacted going forward over the next two three years and you kind of like hey in Indiana like what else were they doing with their space now should they have kept the powder dry a little bit longer for when Halliburton is gotten some playoff experience and maybe there's an equivalent player like maybe but like again like even someone of Siakam's level who's a veteran only is going to be available because at the end of his contract and when is he going to want to re-sign Indiana so I I think this is and we kind of this is the same logic in some ways that was discussed with the Minnesota trade for Rudy Gobert but of course they didn't give up nearly as much uh, to get Pascal Siakam in part due to his contract situation so it's like yeah this is maybe the best player that the Indiana Pacers I mean I think this is the best player the Indiana Pacers have ever acquired in a trade for like in terms of the talent of the guy his perception at the moment of the trade uh you know Oladipo ended up being an all-NBA guy his first year there but that was nobody knew that about him at the time so I and, and, I, I and don't the bonus yeah. too like yeah 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 I mean that was so some people I think are low on this and I haven't been a huge Siakam guy, but because the fit makes so much sense there. And I just, I'm ultimately like, 
you know, a couple of picks in the 20s. They're 2026 first. Like, they should be pretty decent. It's still top four protected, at least. You know, that could tur- that could work out for Toronto, sure. But Indiana has, like, a couple of young guys that they're betting on already. Uh, they, you know, they still got, like, they have some young, cheap guys in the pipeline. Neesmith is cost-controlled for three years after this one at $11 million. So because of some of those decisions, yeah, they're going to overpay Siakam. But they don't have anyone else on the roster that they're overpaying. And so that allows you to have an overpaid guy. And I'm just, I, I still, I would love to know like what the thought is of what they should have been doing other than just hey two years from now maybe there's something else they could have done that we just don't know what it is yet i'll go through a couple of the paths not taken so one of them that i tried to work through a few days when when we kind of started getting the reporting of how, how much the raptors were asking for for Siakam in the like in these negotiations i'm like well could the pacers have signed Siakam in the offseason and the answer is it would have been difficult because it's pretty clean other than if you count draft picks and roster holds for the Pacers to get into the mid 30s in terms of money. Like they could have done that by saying goodbye to Obi Toppin. And then if you want to really do like a wave and stretch on TJ McConnell and things like that, maybe you can get into the high 30s. And the margin between that and Siakam's under the current projections salary of 42.6. And if the cap goes higher than expected, it actually counterintuitively gets easier because he would only get a portion of that raise rather than the whole thing. Um, So it's possible, A, you run the risk of somebody else getting him or something else. And then theoretically, maybe the Pacers could have tried to make a splash in 25 when Miles Turner's contract expires, but you presumably want to bring him back. And they they don't have that many like big ticket items on their books. But the problem is you probably want to retain Turner. If you want to retain Heald, he'll be he would be under contract, presumably. And there's a big opportunity cost there. So like, Siakam is simultaneously better than most of like, the other players that I personally would have loved OG and Anobi for them, in part because he's a lower usage offensive player. I think that he could have, and because he's his defensive role could have been really good yeah, but, for them. But I, I think the package the Raptors got for OG is better than the one they got for Siakam. I don't Especially, think the Pacers could have beaten that. And then you throw in that OG wanted to be in New York anyway. Well, that, that's the hilarity of it. I'll get into the Raptors perspective on this in a second. Is is like the way that the way that Masai handled this, I think was really good for the raps and and so for 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 the pacers i probably would have rather had og but that didn't happen for whatever reason and and nobody could have put his thumb on the scale if he wanted to play in the place where he went to college but i'm not sure that i even would have rather had uh, og and Anobi. i mean i guess just his age matching up with the halberd his, a more, and the, and i think having floor spacing at four the forward spots it would have given them more flexibility in the fifth starter role than they they have and so if there's an incongruity be like i would have felt better about the fit between Ananobi and neesmith than i do siakam neesmith because i'm not totally on board with neesmith being a great jump shooter or anything like that so yeah, shooting, I, it well, shooting it well this year but yeah I mean, shooting I well he's this fine year. he's fine at three particularly with you know halliburton setting him up um but in terms of like guys that you might not guard and you could get into some other stuff that could be complicated like there there are some there are some things that go on there anyway um so for the pacers i think that you 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 raised a really good point that i think is in many ways buttressed by the one that i was making which is like yeah they could have gone out and gone after somebody in 24 yeah they could have gone out and gone after somebody in 25 but a you need to actually get them so that means making a strong offer that means you know wooing them which generally hasn't gone super duper well for them remember the sixers are looming out there this year there will presumably be someone in 25 and you oh you could trade for somebody else well they need to be available in trade that doesn't happen super often either there aren't that many really good players who become available in a trade and even if it took a number of assets it didn't take high quality assets to get siakam like i mean bruce brown is potentially on an expiring contract you signed him this offseason and you were willing to move him and then the three first round picks i would assume that they won't be fantastic and there could even potentially be some protection on the 26 one we, we don't know anything the, about there that is just yet. one it's one to four it's one to four okay so, so yeah. that's light but it, it could be there and so it so from the pacers perspective was waiting would it have produced a better outcome i would say more likely than not it would not have and that's as somebody who's not super high on ziakam like but I am higher on the fit as, as, as you are than than the average player. And because what they needed were forwards and forwards are notoriously hard to acquire. 
Yeah, and when you let's say they had gone Ananobi, well, then they would still desperately need one more guy who could create mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, and th- they had that, like Siakam being a decent defender for his position, playing in the front court, but also being a secondary creator. Like that's that does have some value. We talked about some of his fit issues from a shooting perspective, but he also helps you in the sense that now, because then if Indiana gets like an Ananobi, then it's like, well, now we got to still go get another creator. Like I don't know if Matherin was going to be that guy. And then if you do get another creator, that guy probably sucks on defense. And, and so and, and and also that makes it, it makes life easier on Buddy Heald in the lineups that Siakam Heald and Halliburton are out there together. Like you you don't need as much from the two. And so Heald's limitations actually are not a problem. So and in terms of the ability to trade for Siakam this offseason, it would have cost them a lot, right? They would have had to move Bruce Brown anyway to whatever value you ascribe uh his to, to his team option. Uh they would have had to move on for him to create that kind of mid-30s cat states. They would have had to waive TJ McConnell. They wouldn't have been able to bring back Obi Toppin and they wouldn't be able to bring back heel now I, I don't think they're going to bring back Toppin anyway Toppin's business wise is a big loser here but he if he had performed well enough as a starting power forward then they wouldn't have felt the need to make this trade as much but so so I think that they kind of a they bought the right to have him for the rest of this year which means something and also they put themselves in much better position to resign him probably have him they if anything I think they're more likely to get a little bit of a discount versus what they would have to pay in free agency to get him uh, although maybe they'll end up having to do the fifth year this year with the full bird rights but at least that takes toronto him re-signing in toronto out of the equation now for a potential suitor this offseason and i do like really other than detroit and philly i don't really see another logical fit and both of those teams are you know for a basketball perspective i think siakam is less valuable to those teams than the pacers and now you at least you have the ability to bring back buddy healed and something you get to hold on to mcconnell so you know is that worth giving up three first round picks like they would have had to lose brown anyway regardless and maybe not but then that's also you also get him for this year you know i mean if they could have just said hey you're only going to have pascal siakam for this year will you give up that worst of clippers jazz thunder pick that's going to be in the 20s of course yeah you would trade that for just a one-year rental of siakam probably with maybe a chance of resigning him so i think the only thing that really hurts to me is having to give up that 26 top four protected pick and you know the, who knows what could happen halberton could miss the whole year with injury it ends up being a lottery pick or something but uh i think that was a i think this is a reasonable price in the end for for the pacers and right, all right are they gonna win a championship with this group no probably not but i think with tyrese halberton on the roster this is probably the biggest impact move that they could have made over the next two or three years for a guy who fits pretty well and you like going after a guy where he fits the best with your team that's that's a smart move to me sure and this window like event maybe eventually if it doesn't work out you could find another find another taker for siakam it does put more pressure on the miles turner negotiations but there was going to be plenty of pressure on those in the first place and how halberton being under contract for a long time and and there's also a benefit to getting better right now just understanding sure. what this team is getting moved and the analogy i would make there is as even though they're disappointed by the outcome i'm sure the pacers are are, are relatively happy that not only did that they did the obi topi trend but that they did it early enough so that they could be like okay he's not good enough we need to get someone else and yeah. the cost I mean, of they that only was, gave up two seconds yeah, for exactly the cost of that was was relatively small and so committing earlier getting this data getting this information earlier on the players involved in the fit like there's a lot of value in that to organizations and so for the pacers to get that now and to get this year's stretch run this year's postseason and then presumably at least another couple of years like that's good for them and and if it doesn't yeah. work I, I mean this is a reasonable cost to lock yourself like if you compare this to like the DeJounte Murray deal right which is this is a much less than was paid for that although again that was kind of a, a high watermark in what you had to pay for players uh, but I think this hopefully locks you into being you know a favorite to be a top six team in the east and maybe maybe you find some alchemy there now this could fail Siakam could just you know maybe he's in a new phase of his career maybe he doesn't fit as well with Halliburton because Halliburton has the ball or you know I mean this is it's not guaranteed to work by any means but I think it has a pretty good shot and it could like I think it has just as good a chance of exceeding expectations as falling below them yeah I think that's I think that's reasonable and and the other part like we were talking about these other pathways that primarily involved like 2025 or some other stuff is you get a much more relevant interesting team during that time like the opportunity that is an opportunity cost that sometimes in a delayed build people lose sight of which is 
what were they going to do over these next couple of years if they didn't upgrade? Like, and and if let's say the free agent that they wanted, which honestly probably would have been Pascal Siakam, didn't go to them, well then you you have that awkwardness and you have that opportunity, and now you can move on. And generally speaking, players who are highly regarded hold their value even after they shouldn't. Like that's that's the way this often works. So that I I don't think that the Pacers, if he stays healthy, will be haunted by the next Pascal Siakam contract, even though I probably won't like it like that's that's the nature of how this works yeah i mean it may be below water but like it's okay because they've made some of these other decisions right like if you look back at how they got to this point that bruce Brown contract having that team option you know overpaying him for one year getting to the salary flow they actually still had cap space before this when they picked up a couple of seconds to uh stand as a pass through for kyra lewis and getting him enabled them to not have to pass along any of the other guys that they had uh that they probably wanted to hold on to just for salary matching but you had that bruce Brown contract which was a great you know walking trade exception and you know getting him on a team option but overpaying for one year really worked out well uh they traded remember the second pick that they've traded they got that from Denver in exchange for the 29th pick last year. So to have these two first rounders going forward, like that's part of what enabled this deal to give up three firsts, but to only be out one after this year, like that's very important. They're not that impacted with their future flexibility. And then also the Aaron Neesmith deal as well, to lock him in for 11 million as presumably you're starting three going forward. Like that enables you to have, you know, to have a, like a decent enough player at that position for, 11 million dollars a year like okay now you can afford to pay, overpay pascal siakam like if aaron neesmith made it to restricted free agency this year like does he get like high teens you know now it starts to become a little bit more difficult uh you know the miles turner renegotiation and extension from last year to have him mm-hmm. now under Great a maybe below market contract because they overpaid him with their cap space last year that's another reason now that you can fit siakam into this salary structure so you see how all of these moves enable them to give out what's going to be a bad contract but to still have a good player who fits well on your roster ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Should we turn to the Raptors side of this? We should. And so first of all, the decision to move Siakam at all, I firmly support for them. And I think that the the idea that they could re- resigning him, I don't think he makes sense for where this team is going and the odds that you could like play it play it both ways where you retain Siakam and then maybe you eventually move him like what the Wizards intend to do with Kyle Kuzma, a inferior player, but the idea of you re-sign him and you move him, there was a lot of risk in that. There was a lot of risk risk that Siakam could play poorly or the 
fit issues that we've talked about previously would rear their heads. And so the in terms of the decision to keep Siakam or move Siakam, I was firmly in move Siakam, something we incidentally talked about in the NBA strategy stream um, on Monday or on Sunday. And so you have that part of it. And I, th- I think you would agree with that, that framing of it. Then you move to, well, d- okay, th- let's say trading him was the right move. Was this a reasonable return? And so what the Pacers or what the Pacers gave up, they gave up no salary beyond this season. If they want, if they don't want, they have the decision to make a team option on Bruce Brown. And so they can say, would we rather pay him 23 mil or would we rather do something else with that? And that's a decision that they will make in June. And then Jordan Noir is expiring. They can do whatever the hell they want there. And then you get three firsts. It is true that the first two of those have very little like high end equity. Even if the Pacer season goes off the rails, that's, you know, maybe it's like a shitty lottery pick that has very little chance of getting into the top four. And then the other one, it's the worst of four teams. One of them at least is going to be good. The Thunder already are, obviously. And then 26, maybe that's going to be there. But realistically, I mean, first of all, you generally assume that a team is going is going to take the strongest return possible. Like the the idea that some other team was going to offer five first round picks or offer like a top, uh, you know, like a re- pick with top 10 equity, like probably not. I mean, Masai Ujiri potentially would have made that deal. And so I I think this is a a very even if it's not a high ceiling return, it fits a lot of their purposes really well. And it's it was and honestly, it's probably a little bit more than I would have expected. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and to get the the three first, and that Indiana one has a little bit of upside for the this Indiana year twenty six. Well. Or uh, this no, year. I'm talking about the, for this year even that you know that could be in the mid teens, sure, potentially. I mean, there's a, still a possibility the play, Pacers could miss the playoffs. Um, and yeah, so so this is a pretty good return. Bruce Brown, and not sure if he'll be long for Toronto if they move on from him this off season. They could have thirty two million or so in space now they could also just decline that team option and look to re-sign him to a lower number and still maybe sign another significant player they still obviously need some shooting they also of course could just hold on to braun re-sign gary trent if they wanted to go that route i like getting kyra lewis for them actually i i thought that uh, the pacers got paid to take him but toronto actually getting him like they don't really have a backup point guard in the program right now uh i mean they've got Schroeder, but he's uh, only there for two more years and i think lewis is someone that has a lot of skills that they could maybe look to develop like he's looked pretty fast and he has a reputation as a shooter he just hasn't really fit into what new orleans has been trying to do since they acquired cj mccollum and dyson daniels so i i still think he's you know all right maybe they re-sign him to you know kind of a make good third point guard contract next offseason but he's he's they still have restricted rights on him like they they can hold on to him potentially uh and i'm sorry i misspoke let's see yeah the raptors could have uh, 43 million in space i gotta mm-hmm. oh wait no no that's wrong uh i accidentally deleted emmanuel quickly's cap hold yeah. rather With- than Kyrie. I, I think so. mid mid thirties is about right, depending on where the picks end up. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, that's a good point there. So. Yeah, I mean, this is about as good as they could have expected to do. You know, this is one of those, could they have done better this offseason? I don't really think so, necessarily. Uh, and, uh, of course, Indiana was a motivated suitor. Well, There's well and especially because there were teams that could have signed Siakam outright. There was a chance they were going to yeah. have what happened to Van Vliet, and they just lose him for nothing. Yeah, and Bruce Brown is someone who they may want to hold on to that actually provides a little bit of value with his ability to handle well, the ball and shoot okay th- from outside. There's also a third path that I think is a possibility which is that they reroute Brown again and theoretically use some of that spending power they have, which this is not exactly a great year in free agency, and you get something else. Either it's a player who fits what you're trying to do better, sort of in line with what they did with Emmanuel quickly, though obviously not somebody as good as quickly, or you get compensated to take on some multi-season salary from a team that's looking for. Now, there aren't as many straight-up bad contracts around the league right now, but Bruce Brown as a contract mechanism could be very valuable to them if they don't value potentially opening up an extra 20 plus million in cap space yeah so i I think this is a solid enough return for a guy in the last year of his deal if you compare it to like Kyrie is probably a reasonably analogous situation Kyrie is a better player fits more places but also had more baggage than Siakam there's concern about what his next contract would be and it ended up being what a 2029 unprotected first Dorian Finney-Smith were the the two main things so the the Nets probably did a little bit better from Dallas on Kyrie than the Raptors did but Kyrie's better and he fits more places despite some of his issues that that he had a season ago so 
yeah, I, I think this is this is totally good for the Raptors. And the biggest the bigger thing was just that like Siakam was holding Scotty Barnes back. Like you, Scotty Barnes is a power forward, uh, at least in terms of, like he can handle the ball. Sure, they kind of do this thing where they have him play shooting guard sometimes or or whatever. But really, in terms of just his positional shooting, he's a power forward, and hopefully he can continue to improve that. But he's and you know maybe he'll end up playing some three because they don't really have a three right now in their pipeline. Maybe they feel like that's bare. But uh, I think this whole thing of like, since they drafted Scotty Barnes and it became clear he was a foundational piece for them, the writing was on the wall for Siakam and Messiah Jury might have been the last to see it, but he didn't see it too late in the end, it seems like. It also gives, I, I talked about the benefit of time for the Pacers. It gives the Raptors a window here about half a season to evaluate what you want around Barnes and whoever else you see as the foundation. Barnes quickly, Barnes quickly, Barrett, Pirtle, however you want to see it. And and they don't have to use that spending power in 2024. They could if the right player is available. But just to gain that information of, do you want a four spacing two? Do you want a movement shooter? Do you want, maybe you want a little more heft at the three? However you want to kind of make this work, eventually you can, you can solve that. They have some players who are a little bit fluid positionally on offense, defense, or both. And so understanding what makes sense with them, what makes sense with the coaching scheme and everything else has real value. It is unfortunate for the Raptors that they don't gain the draft equity from this year that you would get for trading Pascal Siakam for a more cap space future focused return. But whatever, like that, that that die was already cast and there that pick is going to go, you know, unless they fall real hard, which I don't think is going to happen. That pick is going to go to the Spurs this year. Another winner of this trade actually is San Antonio. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that that's interesting, right? I wanted to talk about that. Toronto's 15 and 25 right now. They've lost four in a row after a nice start on the West Coast with this group. I'm sure that the Siakam trade rumors coming so close to fruition over the last week or two hasn't necessarily helped their cohesion at the moment. I Presumably, they'll play a little bit worse without Siakam. I don't think like that much worse, again, due to some of the, the fit issues and the fact that they brought in quickly, too. I and mean, that's another thing, too, is like they want quickly to really see what he can do as someone who has the ball more same thing with barrett so uh siakam was not a great fit with barrett either so they really needed to just move on from siakam's usage and see what some of these other guys that three-man foundation of barnes barrett and quickly can do but at 15 and 25 right now like they're you imagine unless they just completely shut it down or move other guys that they're not going to get below memphis which is also 15 and 25 then you've got brooklyn and atlanta at 16 and 23 chicago at 19 and 23 then you have uh, other teams that are trying Atlanta or or, sorry uh, Golden State Houston Lakers what I would focus on if the goal was potentially retaining the pick um and that would be an aggressive move but a, a a potentially valid one is can another team that is below them do they potentially shift and and be better so Portland no no absolutely not I mean, <laughs> there's no Antonio. way they can get below Portland, Charlotte, Washington, San Antonio, and, and Detroit. But if those okay, teams are so let's, bad, let's, let's, they, they are they are very. And they're bad. five games ahead of those teams. Maybe one of them goes on a little bit of a spurt. Yeah. And Memphis, as long as Scotty Barnes' heart is beating, they're <laughs> okay. So so here's an here's teams. an interesting part of this. So let's say the Raptors get to the sixth worst record, which technically they're in a tie for it right now. They would have run the actual numbers here. They would have a 45.8% chance of keeping that pick. That would be wild. Yeah. Now, again, I, I don't think they can get below Memphis. We'll see what happens with Brooklyn and Atlanta. Atlanta may move some pieces, but I, okay. I would hope Atlanta and Brooklyn would be. But I, I don't know about uh, Brooklyn. But I don't so, know I mean, that. But, I don't know that the Raptors like how much of a shit do they give if they give if they give the Spurs the seventh pick versus the ninth pick or the eleventh pick. Yeah, I get it. So if they get to six, then they could just stay at six in theory. Uh, although that would mean have to mean nobody leapfrogs them, which is relatively small chance. But then of course they could also go into the top four if they get to seven then their numbers get knocked down pretty significantly and if they get down to like nine then you basically just have to get into the top four to retain it and that's you know a little over a 20 percent chance but it's hard for me to see them getting much above nine but i don't know who knows like the bulls could get involved here like maybe they move on from some guys and now they're worse and like i still think toronto is better than some of these teams agreed i'm not gonna say they're better than even after moving siakam i think that they have some things about them that are better than atlanta or brooklyn or chicago so they could even still make the play in uh and yeah. maybe they're ultimately not going to be that concerned about 
saving the pick, but we could see if they don't, if they're out of playing contention, I think we could see some really interesting stuff happen with them. Or, you know, if they just lose their next three games or something, go to like 15 and 28, then you're starting to get to the point where the play in is not looking very possible. I want to mention one more thing. I alluded to this earlier in the podcast. The, the potential players that the Philadelphia 76ers can go after with max cap space has dwindled over the last month. Not only Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, you know, we, there's nothing written written down for them, but there is for Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard's contract makes it less likely that Paul George is going to be changing teams. So I, you know, if if, if Daryl, if I had Daryl Morey's ear, it's starting to look more like trading for a player using kind of, you know, Tobias Harris and a few other things, that's getting a lot more palatable now because the options are getting weaker and you get that player for this year. And so theoretically, I don't know what that trade is, but these these lines can move in time and the pretty clear thinning of the free agent crop of the guys that would have moved the needle for the Sixers, this changes their thought process. Yeah, you'd have to say so. Uh, although they they desperately need just like one or two reinforcements this year anyway. And they're a championship contender right now. So I think Daryl probably is not, maybe we didn't think that would be the case at the start of the season, but with the way that Tyrese Maxey has developed uh, and obviously the way Joel is playing even better than ever with Nick Nurse's coaching, I think they are a legitimate championship contender now. And so that maybe makes this cap space thing less appealing also because you're better off like trying to maximize this year as age 30 season for Joel but yeah that that is fascinating not that I loved the Siakam fit for them anyway I think I said at one point I almost might rather have Tobias Harris on his next contract than Siakam on his for the Sixers but they are they're focused on uh on the here and now all right well this is I'm really glad Masai decided to do this like I'm glad that the Raptors are and it's really the the big thing that's kind of a shame is that they're they don't have their pick this year or they have this top six protection on it uh, but i'm glad they didn't s- let that stop them from doing what they should have done with ananobi and siakam and now they can really reset this era around scotty barnes but also having a couple of good young pieces that could grow with him and so they won't be absolutely atrocious either and i, I think that's uh the, the raptors will be a lot more fun to watch i think than they have been over the next couple of years now uh will pigs fly or will the bulls make a trade <laughs> but the the raptors they, they've done what they need to do and i think they learned from the van vliet situation so i am uh i'm glad that we're not going to be continuing to talk about the raptors is like what the hell are they doing like i'm glad that they kind of and then and now that they actually did decide organizationally to move these guys i think they did pretty well on these trades great all right that will do it for today's show thanks so much for listening and of course you can get every dunked on with mr larue and myself exclusively on dunked on prime same thing with every holland and Duncan. We uh, try to be indispensable to you for the trade deadline. We got the mock trade deadline coming up as well on Dunked on Prime. So please take advantage of our yearly membership sale, which is a massive discount off of the monthly rate. And we'll talk to you all again soon. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.